Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available on our website, grove.church. Yeah, so check it out, grove.church. Uh, as well, as if you have questions that come in or kind of come to your mind or uh, things that you're just not sure that you understand completely, we uh, try to take time as much as we can uh, week in and week out in our podcast to answer those questions. Uh, so we actually have one we're going to answer today, which I'm really excited about. But the other thing is, here's how you can send it to us, is you can send us an email at infogrove.church, put in the subject line that you have a Let's Read the Bible podcast question. Uh, that will get to us so we can make sure to answer those. Or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State, and you can send us to them there as well. You betcha. If you're wondering, if it sounds a little bit different to you. It does. It sounds different to me too. Yeah. It's because we're in a room that's not sound treated at all. So there's no like luscious carpet. It's all hardwood. It's yeah. all uh, drywall around. And then we're actually at a, a staff retreat right yeah, now. Yeah, pastor's retreat. We're, we uh, just spent some time around the last night. Uh, spent some time strategizing for the next, uh, for the fall and what it looks like, but yep. uh, here we are still staying faithful to the podcast as best we can. So as we record, it is 9.51 PM and it's going to be probably bedtime after this. So there for you, me at least. There you go. I'm a little bit younger. I might Ev- Evan's going to go party, but I'm ready to go to bed soon. There you go. Well, today we are talking about, which you would know if you read the title, which I'm sure you did to your listener, that we're talking about the gospel of Mark today. Yes, sir. So Amen. as far as uh, resources that we're using, the ESV study Bible, the essence of the New Testament, and then the New Testament in its world. So those are the three books. Um, I forgot to write down the authors. Pretty standard though. Yeah, we, we use those we a lot. We use podcast, so forgive us for not citing the authors, but... Go back to a couple podcasts, Joe. You know who you are. I think it's uh, Elmer Towns. Yeah, it's Elmer Towns, Ben Gutierrez for New Testament, and then it's N.T. Wright and Michael Bird for the uh, the other one. So nope. I think and that's it, right. And if it's wrong, then don't judge us. And if it's wrong, sorry, real authors. <laughs> All right. So uh, Book of Mark, Gospel of Mark. It's actually a really interesting one. So if, if you don't know, there's this division of the Gospels between the Synoptics and then the Gospel of John. So the Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they deal with very similar themes across all three of them. And a lot of the stories are the same. So that's why there's that division. And then John is kind of just its own thing. Yeah. He does his own thing. Yeah. And which is typical John, which is great because it gives us a completely different uh, take on so many, on so many stories, but the gospel of John or sorry, gospel of Mark is written by John Mark, uh, who you may remember from a few weeks ago, our discussion of Paul and his missionary journeys. So if you remember that episode, remember that Paul and Barnabas are really tight. They're super cool. And then they have a big fight about a guy named John Mark. That is this John Mark. So, so funny. Could, it's also like, you know, kudos to him because that's kind of, that could be a defeatist moment there. Uh, <laughs> but he, he, he rallied. He was able to go on a missionary journey with Barnabas and uh, he was also able to uh, write down one of the four gospels. So good deal. <clears throat> and I didn't, we didn't bring this up at the time, but I was reading this as I was researching this. Um, I didn't realize that Mark actually travels with Paul later after it's done. But oh, of, really? Yeah. So one of the, I forgot, I should have written down which one, but one of the epistles lists John Mark as a companion. Huh, so that means they reconcile. Yeah, so awesome. you know, so Paul didn't stay mad at John Mark forever. So it's a great example for us in reconciling with people. Yeah, good, good deal, as they say. So, uh, but anyways, moving forward, <clears throat> Mark was a disciple of Peter, and so church tradition actually holds that the basically Mark based his gospel off of Peter's teaching, if not. Um, essentially the stories that Peter would tell, he would write them down and kind of record them for him. So this isn't necessarily Mark recalling these things because Mark, although he is, 
around during the ministry of Jesus. He's certainly not one of the the core disciples who would have mm-hmm. been there for for most of it. And we'll get to a little bit about why Mark was around. But there's actually I didn't know this either. There was um there's some speculation, I'm not even speculation, there's some tradition that says that the upper room that the disciples met in during Pentecost was actually the the home of John Mark, uh, or at least his mom, because he was young at the time, so he didn't own his own home, but, <laughs> but there you go. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. Uh, so anyways, we're going to divide the book into uh, five sections, starting with the prologue, which is chapter one, verses one through 13. And we, it's funny, we were talking about... Um, the gospel of Mark today, just as a staff, uh, or a few of us were talking about it. And one of the things we kept coming back to is just how quick it is. It, it really yeah, does right. read like, it's almost a highlight reel of Jesus' ministry. There's not very much time devoted to drilling down on how anyone was feeling or even mm-hmm. lingering in a lot of the moments, but it's, it's really just kind of quick hits. And so this is how it starts off in the beginning, uh, or sorry, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. So right off the bat, Mark's letting us know who Jesus is. He says, as it is written by Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and honey. And he preached saying, after me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. So, boom, right off the bat, we don't get anything, any backstory of who Jesus is. There's no, uh, there's no nativity no baby Jesus? I know. It's That's one crazy, of, right? it's one of, it's the only gospel that has really no prologue. Matthew and Mark have the nativity stories and mm. the genealogies. Sorry, Matthew and Luke. Uh, and then John has the, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Yeah. So it's a much more theological opening, but it's very much introducing Jesus. This one's just like, this is Jesus. He's the son of God. There's a guy named John the Baptist. He came, he prepared the way <laughs> Jesus was baptized. He goes into the desert. He was tempted by Satan in the end. Like not the end, but yeah, that's it's, kind it's of, almost like, let's get straight to the point guys. Okay. Exactly. Uh, so that's the prologue. And then we get into Jesus's early ministry. So this is uh, chapter one, verse 14 through chapter eight, verse 30, which is a big chunk of the book of Mark. Oh yeah. That's about, that's half. Uh, give or take. So it's Mark is 16 chapters. So it's a little under half, I guess. Uh, Mark then jumps into Jesus' early ministry and it's just an insane quick hit of, of miracles and his ministry. So he's, he's painting a picture of Jesus's clear blessing from God. As he engages in ministry, he does things that should be impossible and his popularity begins to grow though, not everywhere. Uh, And we have this section from Mark six. He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is it not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? 
are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. And he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. So there you go. So we get this. It's it's an interesting picture because so Mark, like we said, we it goes fast. And as you're in the reading plan, reading through it, you'll notice I believe it's chapter one and two. There's like fifteen different like just quick little paragraphs <laughs> about. And then in the other gospels, they would be like full chapters, kind of fleshing out what all happened there. But that, that's kind of how it goes. And then you get to this point where Jesus goes back to Nazareth and the people there don't really accept him. And he says, you know, he, uh, he quotes scripture and he says, a prophet uh, is not accepted in his hometown. Yeah, he's not without honor except in his hometown. Yeah, so an interesting deal there. And we also get that, not that it's in this gospel, but we also get that with uh, Jesus' brothers as well because we know that they don't really believe what's happening yeah. until after they see him post-resurrection. Which is really interesting because it, it I mean, Jesus' hometown, they were familiar with him. They watched him grow up. And so they would be overly familiar with him and be able to uh, recognize him from the from childhood. So I, in some respects, we could almost see, um, if, we, if we'd stop and think for a moment, how easily it would be to not believe all the hype about he could be the Messiah, he could be the Son of God. And so there is this tension, but it is, it is, right. I, I mean, it would be hard for me to, if, as I think back over my childhood. So, um, to, to, if someone would be, you know, the Messiah, that'd be hard for me. Like, yeah, right. I saw him as a kid. Yeah. Um, so, but it is, it is this reality that when you, we become familiar, I mean, it's, I mean, how practical do you want to be when we become familiar with, with Christ, with the person of Jesus, it's easy to then negate or neglect the divinity of Christ. And, and those in his hometown, his brothers included were, I think Mary's the only one that believed that. I mean, we know that because, of what the angel said to her, but um, it's a pretty remarkable story in, in, in reality. Well, I think you can kind of just kind of contrast the church fathers. So let's take James and Jude, who are Jesus's brothers or half brothers, I suppose you should say. Um, but they, for them, Jesus was not someone who came out of nowhere. Like he, so think of Peter and John, for instance, where they're just fishing and then all like Peter, Andrew, James, and John are just fishing. And all of a sudden they see this teacher come out of nowhere he says things that are pretty incredible and then they, and then a miracle happens. And so they're just like, okay, you're the Messiah. Let's yeah, go. Right. Uh, or same thing with Paul, right? Like he's actively persecuting Christians and all of a sudden, again, a miracle happens. He's blinded and then he gets his sight back and he, he hears the voice of Jesus talking to him with James and Jude and the, and the people of Nazareth. It's, it's interesting how, I guess, specifically with James and Jude, it took the resurrection to realize like, Oh, this is actually all real. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of, and I guess in a way it's kind of encouraging for us as well, where these guys, they grew up with Jesus and they still didn't really understand everything that was happening. And yeah. none of the disciples will get to that in, in, later on in the book, but it's kind of funny how that stuff always works as well. Um, yeah. And then we get this passage in Mark 8, verses 27 through 30. And this marks the end of Jesus's early ministry. And again, not that these are, Within the book of Mark, these aren't the actual headings in there or anything, but it's it's a helpful outline to to break yeah, it up. It, to gives, read. it gives us some framework and a, a little bit easier to tackle and give you kind of an overview of the book. But if if you have to pick a dividing line 
I'm sorry about the peas popping, by the way, if that's annoying you. So I forgot to pack the, um, we have little filters that go over the mics to stop the peas from doing oh, something loud. So I'm trying to like, I'm trying to do my best listeners, but please we apologize. Please know that next week it'll, it'll be better again. And I won't you, forget you to didn't pack them. You get em. to see this, but when he said, please, he turned his face away. Um, so the, the pee wouldn't pop much. Oh well, yeah. It's annoying in my, in my headphones. So I can't, I'd imagine it's yeah. annoying for those of you listening as well. So sorry, I, we did our best. Um, and so in Mark 8, 27 through 30, we get this story, which is really, like we said, it's the, it's the marking of the, the change in the tone of the book and the tone of Jesus' yeah, ministry. Uh, and Jesus went on with the disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist and others say, Uh, Elijah and others, one of the prophets. And he asked, but who do you say that I am? Peter, Peter and pizza, Peter answered him. uh, Peter answered him. You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about it. And so Christ is the the Greek rendering of Messiah. And so he's there. The disciples are really starting to understand what's happening. And you have Jesus here saying, okay, well, don't, don't tell anyone yet, but where it's gonna, it's it's gonna get real. It's <laughs> kind of what's what's in, implied there. I suppose you could say. Uh, so right after, and this is literally the next verses. Right after this, and this this starts the the next section. We'll call it Jesus' journey to the cross. But in Mark eight thirty one through thirty three, again, right after this happens, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. This is Jesus rebuking Peter. And he says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. And this is really just classic Peter, where, where he has like one of his highest points yeah. in the Bible, where he says, "You are, you are the Christ. You're followed the Messiah." By a really low point. Yep. And followed by, I would say, I guess his second lowest point, because uh, you know the the denying Jesus three times was not a great deal. But Wait, what? I'm I'm, just spoilers. So, uh, but yeah, that, that's just. It's just Peter. And I've said it a bajillion times, but Peter should give all of us hope about um, when we're stupid and we say dumb things, we stick our foot in our mouths. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, God still uses us just like God still used Peter. Uh, so, anyway, so that's all happening. Right after this, we see the transfiguration, which um, if you don't know what that is, that's when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain and his glory is at least partially revealed to them. And, and then they see Moses and Elijah. And it's kind of this incredible moment where um, I think there wasn't an understanding of Jesus's full on divinity, I guess, at this point. I think yeah. the disciples are still kind of wrestling with who, like, I think when they start following him, they probably think he's he's the Messiah, or at least he's a prophet, right? There's miracles that are happening when he's going around. God has clearly blessed his ministry. But the more and more they're with him, I think the more and more they're starting to realize, like, I think this is... This is something more than the new mm-hmm. Elijah. Um, and this kind of confirms it here where you see Moses and Elijah subservient to Jesus. They're seeing his glory revealed. Uh, Peter sticks his mouth or his foot in his mouth again, but we don't have to go into that. But it's, it's you know, he just always does that. Uh, but and yeah, and, and we're seeing Jesus take his journey to the cross and he's starting to tell his disciples more and more about who he is and what his true mission yeah. actually is. And they don't really buy it, which is kind of funny too. It's actually really funny, yeah. Um, because they, they, he keeps telling them, by the way, guys, I'm going to die <laughs> and I'm going to rate, I'm going to rise again in three days. Yeah. Okay. Jesus. Well, I think great, I, great thought. That's funny. Ha ha. In fairness to the disciples, I think, 
um, I think they think he's telling a parable of some sort. Because there's always this moment where he'll, he'll tell a story and the disciples say, well, what does it mean? And he has to explain it to them. So I think, I think in their minds, he's just making some kind of an analogy and they don't understand what the analogy is, but he's just being literal and saying, no, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise after three days. So, oh, disciples. Oh, Je- oh, Jesus, just not wanting to be clear. but yeah. or, or he's being clear, but because I guess he's spoken parables for so long, it's hard to, to comprehend, like, wait a minute, are, are, are you being serious? I don't think you're being serious. You're funny. Yeah. You'll teach me the meaning of it sooner or later. But Jesus is, of course, the son of God and knows. He knows what he's doing. So after this, uh, we also get a funny story where James and John ask to sit at his right and left hand. I put in the notes, classic sons of thunder. Did, did they ask or did his, their mom ask? I thought their in, mom asked. Within, in Mark, it's James and John ask, but we find okay. out in the other gospels that they, they kind of ask through the mom yeah, is how it, it goes. Okay. So again, Mark, not keen on details. He's just no, quick. He's like, hey, yeah, this is funny. Now let's move on to something else. Yep. He, he gives the quick hits for sure. So after that, we move on to, we'll call it Jesus's ministry in Jerusalem. So starting in chapter 11, Jesus makes his grand entrance into the city and he begins his ministry, his ministry there. And this is also where we see one of the first things that happens is he goes to the temple and he cleans it out, right? So this is where we get the famous pictures of Jesus where he has a whip and he's driving out all of the money lenders and all of the people who are taking advantage of the pilgrims to Jerusalem. He's having none of it. He says, uh, famously, you've turned my father's house into a den of robbers. So, you know, don't do that. Uh, and then we get what I thought was really interesting as I was reading, preparing for this, I noticed how many parables and sermons we get in this section. And I think a lot of it is really, it's to show the deep disagreements between the Pharisees and the Sadducees hmm. and Jesus, not, not the, between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but they, you, you begin to see because he'll, Jesus will tell a story and then they'll immediately challenge him and he'll tell another story or, or a sermon or whatever it is. And they'll challenge him again. And I think that's kind of what, what Mark is showing is how they get to the point where we just need to kill this guy and, and be done with it. So I get, not that they're right, obviously, yeah, but, sure. but he is kind of showing how, how they get there. Uh, and then I thought this was interesting too. Jesus also begins to talk about not just the end of his ministry, which he's told the disciples about. He says, I'll die and rise again after three days. But he also talks about his return. And I don't mean his resurrection. I mean, his return um, to usher in the new heaven and the new earth that we get fleshed out a little bit more in the other gospels and, and obviously in Revelation as well. Yeah. But he's 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 hinting to the disciples that there is there's there's more to hope than just my ministry in this moment right now. Yeah. But there's there's internal, and for, and for Christians, I think it's so important. And so often we, we ignore that. I think we mm-hmm. have a very, it, it's just, I think it's, we live in, I, it's funny, we were talking about this, um, I think the first day of retreat where um, I brought up that in a lot of like, in a lot of modern um, Christian culture, we really don't confront the idea that we're gonna die. Um, and I think when you listen to like really old, old music or you read the writings of older teachers, it's so in their face because they could just go out and get the plague. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for us, like death is not something that we feel like we need to wrestle through until we're in like our seventies. And maybe at that point yeah. you kind of start thinking about I th- it. I think we came more face to face with it in this last year, or I mean, in That's 2020 to 2021, we came more face to face with the reality of uh, COVID is a very serious threat that we have got to process and, and where you land, land on that from your p- political beliefs to your personal beliefs. I'm not, I'm not arguing that piece because I got my own thoughts too. And, but it's, it's, we came face to face with, with 
mortality. We came face to face right. with the fact that death is a very real thing where we lost over 600,000 people due to this virus within our country alone. That's a big deal. And I think that there is this deep revelation when we come face to face with our mortality, with the, with the fact that we're finite beings, where's our hope really anchored to? Because I think sometimes it actually is anchored to where our, our misconception that we're invincible or it won't happen to us. And, uh, and, and it leaves us in this lurch of where's my hope really anchored to. And that's, and right. that's kind of what we, we kind of can get, I guess, small glimpse. Now it's not the same as, as the early church and, you know, ancient history, but it is a glimpse that we get to, to see if we would stop and think for a moment so we can kind of understand the depth and the richness of the text, which I think is really important too. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, move, moving along here, uh, we then see Jesus betrayed and handed over to the Sanhedrin, or as Mark describes it, the, the chief priests and the scribes. But in Mark um, 14, 43 through 52, it says this, and immediately when he was spe- still speaking, so sorry, Jesus is in Gethsemane, the garden of Gethsemane. Oh, I hate that word. The Gethsemane. garden. Gethsemane. 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 Oh man. It's okay. I got you, bro. Thank you. Thank you. So Jesus is in that garden and he's, <laughs> he's in that garden. He's, uh, he's praying. This is where we get the famous story of the disciples falling asleep um, and Jesus really coming face to face with, and I think it's, it's such a beautiful moment of Jesus' humanity as well, because I think, and we, we, we rightly focus on the fact that Jesus is God. Um, but sometimes we do that at the expense of remembering that he's also experienced, he's experiencing humanity. Yeah. And um, it's raw. It's a very raw moment. And he is fully aware of the pain that he's about to experience. And it's eating him up inside. It's, it's, it says that he sweats blood, which is something that's actually possible yeah. with, under intense stress. And so mm-hmm. you kind of see an idea of what of what is happening in these moments. So after yeah, so this isn't figurative. This is literal. What what is literally happening with Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane. Um, you. you're showing off what, what's happened there is there is this intensity that Jesus is navigating um and, and it's a literal experience. It's not it's not a parable type that vibe. It's not, you know, a, a figurative speech. It's literal. Uh this is what Jesus is navigating. Yeah. And so after this is all happening, He's gathered with his disciples again. And then Judas, um, I mean, we all know who Judas is. So Judas, Judas comes right. in, he's one of the disciples. Um, and it, this is what happens. So immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and with him a crowd of swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. We, we find out in other gospels that that's Peter. Uh, but, and Jesus said to them, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Now, what's interesting about that, you may be wondering, why did I include that last little bit there? Uh, What's interesting about that is Mark is the only gospel that includes that little detail of this story. And the the thought process, and I think this is actually true, I think it's uh, it's a pretty convincing argument, is that the reason this is in there is because that was Mark. And so no one else knows that this happened. Mark would be the only one who would be aware that he, that this happened. And he's kind of writing this in a, l- a little bit, I think of his shame mm-hmm. of the moment, but also kind of showing his own redemption yeah. uh, from, 
from being the the boy who ran away just like so many of the disciples into um an early church father mm-hmm. so it uh, the the more it's funny the more i was looking into this the more i really love the story of mark oh, the picture of it the beauty of it yeah yeah he's just um he just messed up. he's it's almost like a he's almost like a peter and i guess it, you know it makes sense that he's a, such a strong disciple of peter because they both mess up a lot and then as they as they move forward in their ministry, you see them just become pillars of the early church. Yeah. So it's really, it's really cool. I yeah, love I like that. that. Yeah, I like it. I love that this happened. I'm gonna believe that it's actually the, that's actually who it is. So yep, there you go. Uh, and then chapter chapter 15 details the passion narrative. So here we see Jesus being mocked, um, beaten, and eventually he, is, he eventually is crucified. Mm-hmm. So that's what we see happening there. And then that brings us to our last section, which we'll call the epilogue. So this is just chapter 16. This is the last chapter of. Of, of the gospel of Mark. And we get this story and we, we've read it before, but it's, it's just too good not to read again. Uh, but when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and they fled from the tomb, trembling in astonishment and uh, trembling for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. And it's interesting because if you, if you're reading through Mark, you'll notice that there's a little bit, there's a little note there that's saying the end of Mark, uh, isn't in some of the manuscripts. It's in a lot of the manuscripts. Um, but the one thing I'll say there is there's nothing really at the end of Mark that's, that's of any controversy and most of it's in the other gospels as well. But we get there, the great commission, which is of course, when Jesus tells his disciples to, uh, go into all the world and to make more disciples. So, which is kind of our, our mandate as Christians today. So there you go. That's our quick, our quick overview. Yeah. Very quick. Of the book of Mark. But it matches the book of Mark. Yeah. True. Yeah. You know, if you wanted a longer interview, Mark, you should have written a longer gospel. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about that when we get to heaven, Mark. There you go. But yeah, it's, it's fun to me how all of the gospels have such a different feel to them. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have Matthew who's really talking to the Jews. You have Mark. That's just, quick information in and out. You have Luke, who's really kind of talking to unbelievers outside of Israel. Mm -hmm. And then you have John, which is just a a deep emotional portrait of who Jesus is in a way that only one of the divinity of Christ too. Yeah. And and, in a way that only one of his closest disciples could have given us. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. God knew what he was doing, picking the disciples. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's cool that it happened. I love that we get to have these different, um, I also love that we just get to have four different accounts of the life and ministry mm-hmm. of Jesus. It's it's cool that we don't just see it through one perspective, but we really get to see all of these men and and the perspective that they bring on yeah. who Jesus is. I mean, even think about it for a second. Can you imagine what it would be like if the gospels were all pretty much the same? Like it would it would be pretty redundant. It would be yeah. a little bit dry. Um, and and I think that that's the I think that's the beauty of not just the body of Christ, but the picture of the the 
the dynamics of who Christ is and who God is and, and the deep revelation that exists in the personality of the authors, I think is really big and important too. And even though Mark was a short book, um, he, he, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he was writing to a Jewish audience. I think you already touched on that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why there was quick hitters. It wasn't, he's not trying to create a case or pre- create an understanding of, Hey, I need to tell you about this guy named Jesus. Everybody re- reading in this letter knew for the most part, who Mark was talking about. They understood this man named Jesus. They understood the carpenter. They understood, you know, Joseph and Mary's son or Mary's son and Joseph, the carpenter and all these different layers. And so there's a very strategic purpose for Mark's authorship and account of, of Christ and even his story of redemption as well. Cause I think that's a big thing. And yeah. I love that, that tension and that, that picture at the end of it that you even alluded to the whole idea of, uh, of this young man who walked or ran away naked I think it is this beautiful account and testimony of Mark's encounter with Jesus. And as we look into the book of Acts, you'll see, even as you have already alluded, you know, at the beginning, we talked about this, but um, Paul and, 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 the, and the divisiveness or the, the broken relationship for a moment and doing the missionary journeys and the reconciliation, there's just so much to it. Yeah. Um, and it's important to, to remember those things as we're, as we're reading scripture. Yeah. I do. I do want to be clear. I think, after I said it, I'm remembering that I think Mark is really kind of a both audience book, but I could be wrong on that. I don't have it in front of me, but just so, like written to both Jews and, and Greeks, right. but I don't remember I off the top like of my head. it was mostly Jews, but anyways. Anyway, but your, your point still it stands. A, it was a quick account. I just want to make sure. I, yeah, yeah. There's, you always, you don't want to lead, lead people astray. No, so. we try not to. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that wraps up for discussion, but we do have a question coming up. So yes. we'll answer that in a second. But before we do, I just want to remind everyone to please leave a five-star review. Uh, they really help get get the podcast out there to more people. Um, and also we just love constructive feedback as well. So let us know what you think about the podcast. Let us know what you like about it, what you don't like about it, because it helps inform the type of the types of things that they do that we do. Sorry, the types of episodes that we do as well. So good deal there. All right. For our question this week, uh, it actually, it matches up pretty well with our discussion last week, which is funny about King David. So this one says, uh, I always felt bad for King Saul. He was a very reluctant filler king, and which I think is a funny way to put it. But yeah. super funny. Uh, and I think he knew it. Why else did he neglect to tell his family, family that he met Samuel or hide in the back during the announcement by Samuel? He certainly looked the part per the Israelites, but missed it per God. He acted as if trying to please imposter syndrome without really understanding why he was chosen. Uh, and then he said, I read two verses that made me think about it more. So in Romans 1, 8, it says, first, I thank my God through, oh, sorry, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. And first, sorry, first Samuel 15, 22, it says the soldiers took uh, the sheep and the cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. And then Paul said, uh, my King Saul said, your, I don't think this is an old Testament versus new Testament thing. David ref- referred to God as my and Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. So there you go. All right. So a couple of verses there talking about Saul. Really, I guess the question is just kind of, Saul, Saul is a really interesting character. I think he's a tragic character, um, but I think he's also, we, we talked about this a lot with Ahab, if you remember that discussion about how Ahab doesn't do like a bajillion things that are evil, but what is evil about him is how he refuses to stand up for what is right at any point. And I think Saul is really the, the story of, He's a, he's a tragic character in that he was weak 
and not up to the challenge that God would have for him. And that was his failing. And so it's a different sort of sin. And I can see how we definitely feel bad for people in that situation where it's not the sin where it's someone who's standing up and doing evil things, but it's the sin of someone who refuses to stand up and do right. Um, I think of the story of David and Goliath, and we talked about it last week, how Saul should have been the one who was going and, and fighting uh, for his nation, but he was scared to do it. Um, you get the moment that was referenced where even when he's anointed as king, he kind of stands in the back and he, he's afraid of the calling that God had given to him. And so, all, th- all of these things kind of come together where I think Saul's story is a sad one. And it's a sad story as well as... Be- it's, it's a sad story in, in the sense that all sin is a sad story. All people that we see fall prey to sin is, is a tragic thing. Um, but I think what we have to remember is that weakness and refusing to do what God has called us to do is also sin. It's not just sins that we commit, but it's it's also the the right things that we omit to do. So, and that's kind of the legacy of Saul, a lot of it. And then he commits real sins where he tries to kill David and he summons, <laughs> yeah. a, he uses a necromancer. So, you know, but yeah, early there's on. There's some sketchiness there for sure. For sure. Um, well, and I, I just, and I agree. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't, t- I wasn't listening to most, most of what you're saying. I was trying to make sense of the the, the last part of the, the question where the, the verses were referenced. Right. Um, and and what what the, 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 the listener was saying is, is just comparing um, how Saul referred to God versus how Paul referred to God. That's what he's alluding to. So gotcha. in Romans 8, it's Paul's response. First, I think my God. And then he highlights in 1 Samuel 15, 22, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best of all was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. Um, and it's just real quick, interesting. And this, when he says, the listener, when Linus writes that he doesn't think it's an Old Testament versus New Testament thing, he's referring to the um, the identity and recognition of who God was, whether it was my God or your God. That's kind of the comparison. Gotcha. So when, so when he's talking, like he, there's some the heartburn for Saul, and I get it, but I don't know if I agree with the term filler king, um, because I go back to Saul's call. Saul was called by God to be king, and so I don't think it was a filler. I think the people were were, were beginning to reject God as their king, and they wanted to look like the other nations, which is why they started pleading to God for a king, and God spoke to Samuel on behalf of of. Or God spoke to Samuel in regards to that and told Samuel, okay, anoint them a king. Um, and so I don't know if it was a filler king as much as I think it was God allowing people to then be handed over to what they desired in that moment. I think there's a lot of parallels to today um, in regards to how we respond to whether it's government or a system or a church or a pastor or a leader where we desire them to be ha- and have more influence and guard and, and leadership over us. Um, but the, the tension is... Um, Saul, I think that I think Saul did miss his the value of being called. I think Saul got caught up in his own ego. I think Saul got caught up in his own insecurity. I think God or Saul Saul missed some of the conversation. Um, and and I think it's important to recognize that God doesn't God gall. God doesn't call the perfect, uh, but he equips those who are obedient. And that's and that's that tension of 1 Samuel 15, 22. Now, again, a nuance just because I want to try and keep it. As, as accurate as possible, verse 22 of 1 Samuel 15, actually it's Samuel speaking. Um, and this is Samuel speaking to Saul. Um, it's not Saul speaking okay. to Samuel. So um, so anyways, there's there's just a bunch of nuances there. And I, but I would simply say this. I think he he fell into 
the wanting to please people and neglecting to remember who God was and what God called him and what God is able to do. That that's what we see in Paul's life, which or Saul's life, which is so tragic. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate. And um, Saul was called with intention. Saul was called on purpose, not to set him up to fail, but because the people wanted a king, he was the right man for the job at the time. The bummer is that he didn't keep himself established in, in with, to the truth of who God was and what God expected uh, of God's people. And that led to his downfall. That's my two cents. Boom. Well, that was more than two cents. That was, that was the full dime, Aaron. That was, <laughs> <laughs> Dang well, it, I was hoping maybe, for a quarter. E- maybe even a quarter, I was just about to say, That's or hilarious. the Kennedy 50 cent piece. Who knows? Anyway, uh, no, that was great. Thanks for, thanks for fleshing that out. Um, yeah, sorry. So it was a little well. confusing at first. And so I wanted to make sure that if you're listening to this, if you were just as confused as I was, I want to provide the clarity for yeah. it. So it's, it's 1030 here now. So it's we're, true. we're tired. It's been <laughs> so, a long week. Sorry. Let's just be honest. Sorry, dear listeners. It's, this one might be this, this podcast is a little bit more loosey goosey than we try to do. So next week we'll be back on top promise. So, uh, but that wraps it up for another episode of let's read the Bible. Just a reminder that we are a resource of the Grove church, but we are not the only one at the Grove church. Uh, we, you can go to our website, grove.church. You can check out our life and limb blog. You can check out our archive of past podcast messages or sorry, past podcast episodes as well as past messages as well. So you can check all those out. Um, And if this ministry has been a blessing to you and you'd like to financially uh, contribute to what the Grove Church does, you can also do that at the website, grove.church. There's a give button in the top right hand corner. So we would appreciate that as well. So thank you guys so much. Yeah. That being said, we'll, uh, I guess we won't see you next week, but we'll, we'll we'll talk at you. We'll we'll talk at you. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great week, guys.